Here he is. G'day, hey. mate. How you doing? Good. How are you? Yeah, not bad. Make yourself at home. Make yourself at home. Thank you, good sir. Mi casa es su casa. Oh, actually, not there. That's my spot. Progressive Rugby League. Ladies and gentlemen, hello again. Welcome to another instalment of the Progressive Rugby League podcast. John O'Duncan here, sitting in his favourite spot. And joining me, in a still very good spot, is my good friend, Big Al. Hello, Big. G'day, John Now, we have a big show coming up, but did want to start with some very sobering and sad news, and that's from the death of Archie Bruce, a Batley Bulldogs player who died over the weekend in Toulouse, just hours after making his debut against Toulouse. And obviously we don't know what happened, but it's just such sad news. And we know it's hit the rugby league community in the UK and France really hard. And it's hit us here in Australia pretty hard too. So it's terrible news. And we obviously send our condolences to the family of Archie Bruce and also the Batley Bulldogs. So just wanted to acknowledge that to get started with this week. Now, we've got a show to do, so let's get stuck in. And why don't we start, like we always do, Big Al, with our reflections. Let's do it. Happy to kick things off. Forgive me, Mm. but I'm going to throw out reflections this week and replace it with another episode of This Tiger's Life. This Tiger's Life. It's back. I mean, let's let's, let's not pretend that all my reflections are episodes of This Tiger's Life anyway, (laughs) but I'm not hiding behind it anymore. I'm putting it out there. This is officially Mm. This Tiger's Life. We need a theme song, I think. Rawr. (laughs) God. (laughs) <laughs> motivation to improve. So I need to tell you, I need to bring you in on an ethical dilemma. I don't know. So I'm, I'm having a crisis of confidence. Mm-hmm. Part of my persona is the fact that I am a, a rusted on Tigers fan. Yes. I feel that's part of my personality. I have a sense of pride about it. And that like, I've been a fan of this team since, well, I mean, I guess I started because they were actually quite good way mm. back in the late 80s, but I didn't really know what was going on. But then no sooner were they good that they immediately became terrible. Mm. And I stuck solid. Yeah. I stuck solid through the Sydney Tigers. Tigers of 1996, I, I stuck sold through a merger with West Magpies to become the West Tigers. I've been there and I've seen everything. Yep. And I still show up every single week. I go to more games than I, than I care to admit to. Been a member for X number of years. I have umpteen thousand different pieces of useless memorabilia that mm. I've, I've you know put money and emotion into acquiring. I feel I've paid my dues. And it's a big part of your identity as well. I used to work with you, Big Al, and I know for about three or four hours every Monday, people come up to you and just talk to Tigers. And you give them, you give them time. I do. You, you're very good like that. Yeah. So it's actually an absolute part of your identity. Yeah. Yeah, it is. But with the recent results, and that is Tigers were set up to make a run to guarantee a semi-final spot this season. Mm. So they had five games left, probably had to win at least three uh, out of the five to be, be a chance. And a couple of them were set up where games where they should have won. Yeah. So I'm specifically going to call out the they played the Bulldogs, who mm-hmm. aren't are by no means a terrible team, but a team that aren't doing too well, and a team that the Tigers should have gotten over the top of. Who have improved, of course. But they yeah. have improved, yeah. They, but the the Tigers lost. Sure. Um, and that's one game down. And then net last week they played Manly. Now Manly are absolutely high flying, but still I was like, well, you can't lose to the Bulldogs and then lose to Manly. You have to win this Manly game. The bounce back back. And they lost. They yeah. lost. They didn't just lose. They, they were convincingly beaten. And now it looks like they're not going to make the semifinals again. Mm. And now I am torn between my my persona as this you never say it, I always stand by the team Tigers fan 
and just, I'm going to say rational consumer that demands something. I want something for my effort. At what point does it become acceptable for me to say enough is enough? I don't accept this anymore. If you don't make the finals, I don't want to issue threats. But <laughs> is, it, is it too much for me to expect that I get something for my blood, sweat and tears that I pour into this team? Help me. What do I do? Well, I'm going to expedite a piece of correspondence we got this week from Gene from Sydney, who I'm going to elevate to friend of the show status. Now, Gene, he commented on your reflection last week on the West Tigers, and he is also a Tigers fan, and he empathized with your comments about the Tigers and how it's so frustrating, and it's kind of like Groundhog Day every year, and how it's somewhat tempting to free yourself from their grip. Does that sound familiar? (laughs) Oh, it certainly does. Now, I'm not sure if Gene actually is considering letting go of the Tigers. But let me say two things to you both. One, it's much easier said than done. In fact, I don't think you have much choice in the matter. That could be a reflection for next week. Do you choose teams to support or do they choose you? Two, you've also got to remember to have perspective on how good your list is. I think we spoke about this at the same time I'm last gonna, year. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to I'm gonna have to interrupt right there. All right. I've played back your, your calm, well-thought-out logical reasoning back in my head so many times. Mm. They've got about a, a 12th place list. And they're best. actually outperforming. They're going so well. But yeah. the emotionally, I just can't accept it anymore. Wow, that's big. It's not as simple as me saying that's it, I don't support them anymore because mm. I, I don't think I can. I think I've proven that, you know, even living overseas, I still I supported them. With li- great intensity. With great intensity. And I had to put a lot of effort into supporting them because yeah. it was, they were very hard to access, but I still <laughs> did it. But I'm thinking maybe, I just want to, I want to let them know that it's not okay anymore mm. and I really, 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 really badly need something to happen. And I'm thinking of a banner, a politely worded banner, <laughs> but just says... Dear Tigers, and I'll probably display this at Lycano, yeah. so look out for it. I've supported you for X number of years. This is a long banner already. Well, yeah, it's going to be quite worse. <laughs> I seriously mean it this time when I say next year is the last year. <laughs> if you don't make the finals next year, 2020, then that's it. I'm off. I'm out of here. I'm, gonna, I'm still going to love the game. I'm just not going to love any particular team, and I'm just going to appreciate it for what it is. Well, I mean, once again, I'm not sure if you have a choice in the matter. Also, I'd add this, because we're talking about your happiness and contentment. Happiness and contentment is very closely related to expectations. I'm going to go back to expectations. Your expectations are too high. Their list (laughs) is 12th best at best. I mean, look at the teams around them and below them on the competition ladder. The Titans have a better list than the Tigers. The Dragons have a better list. The Knights have a better list. The Warriors probably have a better list. The Bulldogs probably have a similar list. Yeah, but, I mean, th- but like, let's have a think about the Bulldogs and the Tigers. They had totally different expectations near the start of the year. The Bulldogs started terribly. The Tigers started very well. They have very similar lists. They're at very similar positions of the table now. But now we're talking about the Tigers as a massive failure, and we're talking about the Bulldogs as having a good year. You know what I mean? It's all about expectations because the expectations for the Bulldogs were totally zero expectations for the Tigers they always start the year pretty well I think maybe that's their problem (laughs) they should start poorly they always start the year pretty well that that's fine and I again I appreciate the the thought you've put into trying to talk me off the ledge Mm. still that fact that they're outperforming their list that doesn't make it okay the fact that their list is poor is also unacceptable (laughs) because their list has been poor forever sure I look back at clips of like the 2010 season all those like famous Tigers at the peak of their powers because we had Gareth Ellis and we had Tuiaki and that was a team yeah that was an amazing team it was a pretty good list it was a they were premiership favourites I think at one point during that season they 
they've never been the same since. Mm. And I think because we all know that, like, the 2005 Premiership came out of nowhere. No one expected it. Even the players didn't mm. expect it. It just happened. Because we all know, like, you know, miracles can happen. Mm. Fairy tales do come true. I think we've, all, we've tricked ourselves into accepting that it doesn't matter how, how bad the team might appear because mm. you never know. A magical Premiership can fall out of the sky. Yeah. But I think I'm going to have to resign myself to the fact that Premierships don't show up on your doorstep. Yeah. They're earned, they're mm. built for, and I don't see how they've built for it for the last eight years. It's really disappointing. Well, I'm a Parramatta supporter, as you know, and in my living memory, I have not seen Parramatta win a premiership. They won premierships early in my life, but I don't remember them. But they've made the finals a number of years Enough. here and there, and they'll make the finals again this year. So the question I often pose to, to friends, Tigers friends, would you prefer one premiership within a 20, 25-year time span and basically don't really make the finals otherwise or would you prefer a team that makes the finals most years this is not necessarily Parramatta most years but won't win a premiership in that 25 year period this is basically what yeah, yeah. you're I, I think I, I honestly think I would take the finals wow because it, you don't understand what it's like to not be in the finals every single year. It's been a, almost a decade. But you don't know what it's like to not see your team win a premiership in your living memory. Well, I do because I lived that up until 2005. Oh, and it was and, fine? And also no finals appearances. <laughs> well, I mean, it was, I didn't know any different. Okay. But if you, like that premiership from 2005, it's, it's, it was so long ago. Like it's not, the glow has definitely worn off. Fair enough. Look. And I, I, I just need a... I don't know what the answer is. I need is. a little sugar hit every every second year just to be up there, you know, second round finals. Mm. Just give me something. Yeah. Look, I don't know so, what the answer is, but I just like posing the questions. And that's actually related to my reflection this week. But you know what? Before we move on, there's still a mathematical chance. <laughs> they might right. do it. They're going to do it. Actually, I can feel it. Let's go! Good Tigers. <laughs> now, it relates to my reflection. Today, I'm reflecting on how I find questions much more interesting than answers. Now, obviously, questions and answers are closely related. You ask a question because you want an answer, right? Mm-hmm. Well, kind of. But there's a pleasure in asking questions you'll probably never know the answer to. Our ancestors must have asked so many questions as they peered across those unending seas. Similarly, in the modern day, you look up at the night sky and wonder, are we alone? And if not, do those beings play rugby league football? <laughs> and if so, do they chuck it around? All these questions we'll never know in our lifetime, the answers. But it's fun to wonder. Now, in sport and in rugby league, your questions are often answered, at least to some extent. But in August, you get to revel in the questions, the uncertainty. Your mind pulses at the possibilities. Your imagination swings from one extreme to another. Who will make the finals? Which players will step up? Will the best teams, your Melbournes, your St. Helenses, your Torontos, will they follow through and win? Soon enough, we'll find out these answers. But for me, the best time is that period before you know for certain. Once you have the answer, well, that's it. You know, the ultimate question every year in rugby league is, who will win the competition? It fascinates us for six months each year. But when we get that answer, so what? (laughs) Question, who's going to win the comp? Amazing, so many possibilities. Answer, the Roosters. (laughs) Right. Anyway, I'm just saying, let's not wish away this time of year in a frantic quest to know. Let's enjoy the uncertainty, the curiosity, the wonder of August, September, rugby league football. That's my reflection. Well, that perfectly just reinforces what I said about finals. It's much better to be in the finals, <laughs> to have like, maybe it's going to happen, to be in the mix, than to know that you won one, you know, accidental premiership 
what, 15 years ago and you're never going to win one again. But it's pretty exciting to be in the mix to make the finals, even if you don't make the finals. Like, you know, come August, the Tigers are always in it. Are they going to make it? <laughs> Maybe this is <laughs> the year. That's true. All right, you took, you've, you've turned me around. You're a Tigers man for life. I mean, I was never not going to be, let's just admit. <laughs> I, just need, I just needed a platform to vent because it is like it is just really disappointing. Yeah, and this is your platform to vent. <laughs> yeah. And this is my platform to be a wet blanket. And I love it. <laughs> All right, let's do the mailbag thing, shall we? People have questions. People have thoughts. They write into us. We try to answer them. PRL Mailbag. It's the PRL Mailbag. Okay, mailbag time and more great feedback on our Progressive Rugby League scrapbook episode where we recorded our experiences in Carcassonne, Perpignan, Toulouse, London and Leeds. I love doing it in that order. It's got a lovely flow. Gav Willisey, some very generous words. Thank you. Nicholas Mew, our friend from Ontario in Canada, said, Hearing our experiences with Toulouse Olympique made the idea of an expanded Super League featuring his Wolfpack and Toulouse Olympique seem very attractive. And yes, I will agree with you, Nicholas. Currently, there's 12 teams in Super League, which for me is just too few. At the moment, we've got teams playing each other for the third time in the regular season. When you're playing each other three times in a regular season... It means one of two things. There are too few teams or the season's too long. Make up your mind, Super League. Mm. I think let's increase the number of teams right. to 14 at least. But then we still get to maintain loop fixtures, right? God, I'm over <laughs> loop fixtures. I still don't know what they are and I'm over them. Now, look, also heard from Ian from East Leeds who got in touch about our conversation about referees last week. If you remember, we were kind of defending referees and bemoaning the, the whinging about referees. Mm. Ian said, finally caught up on the latest ep reminded me of what a coach told me years ago. He said, Referees are human, so you should naturally expect them to make mistakes. Plan that they will and ensure that you do enough so that when they do, it won't affect the result. Yeah, fair enough. Wise words from that coach. And I think that's very much like a, a Craig Bellamy type attitude, even though you see Craig Bellamy in the coach's box going off like like a crazy person. Mm. In press conferences, I cannot remember more than one or two occasions in his 15-year coaching career. I can't remember many times where he's complained or blamed referees. Yeah, Whereas, you know, there are, there are coaches, as you, as you mentioned, the notorious mm. ref finger pointers. Yeah. Bellamy's definitely not one of them. Yeah, so I think they're wise words from Ian and wise words from Ian's former coach. So mm. thanks, Ian. We also heard this week from another great friend of the show, Lodon Garnier, who informed us that Justin Murphy, former Canary Bulldog, New Zealand Warrior, Witness Viking, and Catalan Dragon, wow. has been given the coaching reins at Toulon Rugby League Club in France. Excellent. Now, Toulon is obviously a very famous rugby union club in France with a very rich, outspoken owner who has splashed out a few times, on some big rugby league-related purchases over the years. Does anyone remember a guy called SBW? Anyway, bon chance to Justin as he tries to grow the game in that part of the world. Lodon also told us to keep an eye on Toronto Wolfpack fullback and fellow Frenchman Hakim Maloudi. He's a real character and the type of player who'll be fun to watch in the finals. So thanks as always, Lodon. We also heard quite randomly from the Eastern Rhinos Rugby League Club in Colchester, UK, sort of near Ipswich, Excellent. about 90 minutes northeast of London. 
Now, I don't normally share this kind of thing, but I found this quite random and funny. Hey, Progressive Rugby League, they said. One of our members found your pod. You gave us a mention in one of your early episodes when discussing the Rotterdam Nines. Thanks for the shout-out. <laughs> so, we've That's going to wait- be over a year old. I remember, well, I remember that episode. That was that was really early on in the run. Right. We've been waiting 18 months for a thank you. <laughs> yeah, thank Rhinos. you so much. But it's been well worth the wait. I thought, who's listening to old episodes of a weekly rugby league podcast? But then I thought, there's probably you, Big Al, emoting about the Tigers. There's me talking <laughs> yeah. about refs or something. It's probably quite fresh yeah, and vital. Yeah, yeah. So thank you, Eastern Rhinos Rugby League Club. All the best to you in the future. So that's the mailbag, and you can contact us on Twitter, Instagram, or at progressiverl at outlook.com. Okay. I'm very excited because we have a huge... It's like the gal and me, we like what we see when it comes to French-Canadian rugby 13. Beautiful. Rolls off the tongue. International update. Let's French do it. French-Canadian rugby league action coming at you. So to start things off, we have another edition of the Super Baby Cup. Mm. So I'm talking, this one's up in the Super League, where we saw the Catalan Dragons play the London Broncos all the way down in Perpignan. Now, as much as we love a Dragons victory, even though winning is secondary, Mm. it's also kind of essential when it comes to the Broncos because Mm. they need it to stay in the Super League. So Mm. we can celebrate a wonderful London Broncos victory over a somewhat wobbly uh, Catalan Dragons 17-4. What a fantastic performance once again from London Broncos. I'm pretty sure that's their second victory in France this year. They've played them three times now. Catalan won that first game in London, and the next two have been in Perpignan, and London have won both of those matches. So, geez, they're just not going away, are they? And we expected as much. Yeah, it's, it's amazing stuff. And I, I love the fact that there's battles at the top and there's battles down the bottom. The Super League ladder is split nicely in two. The top seven are gunning for that top five position, all the way down to Catalan in seventh place. And the bottom five, they're all doing their best to avoid the drop. So it is really an amazing ladder the way it's all worked out. Mm. And you're about to tell us what's happening in that ladder. But, I mean, the defence of London was quite something. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Can't believe I said that. Got him! <laughs> they, they just repelled Catalan set after set in that first half and took a, an 8-0 lead into half time. And they just did the business in the second half as well. And well, Catalan, you've got to wonder what's going on there. Because when I think about Catalan and how they can be up one week and then totally down and quite soulless the next, I'm reminded of our conversation that we had with Sylvain Houlet, the Toulouse Olympic coach, about the challenges of running a French rugby league team when you've got different cultures, people speaking different languages, and the effort they go to to identify people as well as players who will potentially get along and help out when things are tough. And perhaps that hasn't been a priority of Catalan over the last few years, worrying about the people over the player. They're worried about the reputation. And the more I think about it, the more that kind of explains the up and down nature of their form. Mm, That's a fair assumption to make. I don't think Catalan have, either through necessity or they just haven't thought it was important, but haven't put as much effort into the culture side of things Mm. um, or the the team cohesion side of things as then yeah. Toulouse has. Now, obviously, James Maloney can't come quick enough at Catalan next year. And although he's a really relaxed character, he always tends to win. And he's got that steeliness he's about him. He's a winner. He's a winner. He's a winner. And he's got that steeliness about him, even yeah. though he comes across as really relaxed, that when he's playing alongside players, they know they need to step up. So yeah. that can only be a good thing for Catalan because they really need someone to galvanise that playing group. Yeah. So what's going on elsewhere? A strange occurrence in the championship this week. So both of the sweet babies racked up big scores, which is not that strange, I suppose. Mm. But 
in the ultimate act of um, synchronicity, shall mm. we say, both scores were exactly the same across both games. So we've got Toronto waltzing over the Rochdale Hornets 46-0 mm-hmm. and Toulouse sashaying over the Batley Bulldogs 46-0. Yes. Now, that was also in that game 2,000 points for Toulouse Olympic fullback Mark Carella. 2,000 points for the club. So congratulations, well, Mark. Well, congratulations to him. And uh, we have been on the record saying he is quite possibly the nicest and happiest mm. athlete I've ever met. So we are happy for him. Yeah. Now... Obviously, they were identical score lines, and it actually made me reflect on Toulouse and Toronto. So there's really a fascinating contrast between these two teams, both on and off the field. They're both expansion teams, both gunning for bigger things, but other than that, they couldn't be more different. Obviously, one is French, with a long and storied history in the game, and the other is a Canadian startup. On the field, Toulouse play their own unique brand of attacking rugby league. Wolfpack, a much more modern brand built on power, structure, and barge. some big forwards with a few offloads. And off the field, it's completely different as well. Toulouse Olympic, as we found, they're trying to build year on year, incrementally adding resources, gaining experience, and their networks and their fans. It's a measured approach for long-term viability. Mm. Meanwhile, Toronto, it's a high-risk approach. They're spending big, trying to bang that door down. And you can understand, you know, that's the only way it possibly could work for Toronto. They're starting from scratch. They don't have the history, the infrastructure, the pool of juniors. They're kind of like that poker player. You know, when you set up a, a game of poker with your mates, you haven't been able to catch up with your mates for so long. Everyone's got kids, this and that. Let's have a poker night in a month's time. So everyone's bantering in the weeks leading up. Mm-hmm. And then you show up and in the first hand, even before he's seen the cards, there's a guy who's like, oh, <laughs> that's kind of like the Toronto Wolfpack. All right, Toronto Wolfpack. It's like a high-risk approach, isn't it? First hand. All in. It's like you haven't even said the cards. All in. And you feel like it has to come off relatively soon or else it could be challenging because there's a lot of money pouring in. At some point, they're going to need a TV deal to pay off some of that. So obviously, we hope both approaches come off. But it is interesting to think about how these two teams who we both wish the best for are going about the same goal so very differently, Mm. pretty much in every single way. The only commonality they have is that they're going for the same goal. I can't think of any other... They play rugby league football. That's another one. So what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, yet another wonderfully insightful stretch of dialogue from John. (laughs) No, but like, it's actually, in all seriousness, it's a really good point. I I think we've sort of touched on it before in that Toronto is a high-risk play and it's it's really, either you need to be confident that it's going to come off or you need to not really care about losing a whole stack of money mm. maybe both mm. to, to go down that way I'm hoping that I'm hoping that they're more confident they're not worried about their money mm. but you know it's, it's going to be interesting they are like I mean in all terms in terms of results they are phenomenally successful 14 points ahead of anybody else mm. you know they've built up a community of fans as well they yeah. get decent crowds and, and I do think probably similar to, to, to Toulouse in their community engagement like Toronto are doing a really mm. grassroots approach to engaging traditional rugby league fans in the UK but getting actual fans in their in their community they're really that's true. pushing hard along that and that's then that's just not chucking money at it that's that's actual you know going out and making connections and creating content and engaging fans that's true they do have more in common in that they are both really going against the grain in a non-rugby league market trying mm. to build something so yeah. you're absolutely right there okay so we'll move to the ladder we'll follow the format and now look at the ladder <laughs> Super League, uh, Catalan, 7th place, 26 points, minus 2. Looking difficult for them to make the top 5 with 3 games to go. Yeah, now is it is it too much to say that Catalan have probably taken the foot off the gas? It seems that way, but you can't see why. I mean, they've 
got everything to play for, but uh, I, I worry that they they've realised they're in a comfortable position. All right, we're nowhere near the relegation zone. Mm. Oh, jeez, we're kind of bit bit far away from that top five. Wow, <laughs> well, let's just sit here. They're only two <laughs> points away, though. Yeah, but <laughs> maybe they just think St. Helens have got this wrapped up. Yeah. can't be bothered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And London at the bottom, so officially in twelfth place on eighteen points, but negative zero because they are tied on eighteen with Hull KR and Huddersfield. And let's look at their last three games because their last three games are all teams within that the bottom five. Leeds, Hull KR and Wakefield. So these are all potentially winnable games. And, you know, they've got a real chance. Like I don't want to get too bullish, but Hull KR, Wakefield, they've beaten Wakefield twice this year. That's their final game. That must be a loop fixture. Yeah, I think it is, yeah. <laughs> they've beaten Leeds before this year as well, so... These are just enormous fixtures, and it's just going down to the wire. I'm starting to get pretty confident they might be able to pull off a miracle. It would be a miracle, but they've got those fixtures to go. They're in pretty good form. I think they can do it. So you're starting to sound like a Tigers fan. Here's the thing. (laughs) Yeah, here's the thing. Catalan, their last three games, Hull KR, Wigan, and Huddersfield. So there's two of those bottom five teams, Hull KR, and Huddersfield. But if you're a, a bottom five team, you're kind of hoping to play a relaxed... Catalan, we've just confirmed they've taken the foot off the gas. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, we, so, we don't really care. So while it seems like an easier draw, it's not really, because those teams will just have everything to play for. Yeah, those those bottom teams that, that London are playing, they'll be scrapping for every point. Mm. There's no, there's no one's going to give up, because this goes right back to the beginning of the PRL journey. Mm. Because of consequence. Ah, oh, yeah, who can forget <laughs> consequence? Okay, so that's a super league. We've got a great few weeks we've got coming up. All right, so looking at the championship, well, nothing's changed really. Toronto, first place, 48 points, plus 16. Oof. They are miles in front of the rest of the pack. Toulouse, second place, 36 points, plus four. Hopefully they can lock in that second place over the next couple of weeks. Indeed. What else has happened in the world of International Rugby League? Well, I want to talk a little bit about Bradford. So throughout the week, news came through that Bradford have decided to leave Odsall mm. and, and ground share with Dewsbury. So Amazing. Bradford Bulls are going to be playing out of the Dewsbury Rams home ground, I suppose. Mm. Um, Tetley's, apparently. Um, and I've looked in the map. Bradford, well, actually, I've driven between the two. Yeah. Bradford and Dewsbury are, are relatively close. So from a commute point of view, that's fine. But this is very common in Sydney, right? So you've got the Tigers playing out of Bankwest, which is Parramatta Stadium. Mm. You've got the Bulldogs and South, and at one point, St. George and the Tigers all playing out of ANZ Stadium and Homebush. Ground sharing is nothing new to us. That's right. But I think for the folks in the Northern Hemisphere, this is an all-new phenomenon. Mm. And I wonder how that's going to go down with the Bradford faithful. And I also wonder if it's technically going to mean that they are no longer the Bradford Bulls and if they're just going to rebrand themselves the Bulls, the Bulls. a la the Bulldogs of ooh, 1998 yeah, I think maybe look it's a really interesting one I think it's different in the UK and someone will be able to correct me if I'm wrong hello Ian is from Leeds or Ian from East Leeds <laughs> but in the UK each of those different towns while only I don't know 10 miles apart they have a different identity and that's been built up over centuries and centuries mm. and it's probably less of the case in Sydney although you go to different parts of Sydney and they are different but I just think there's less of a distinction between the two I mean you drove through them last month you kind of noticed that they were well, very they, different they, places. I definitely I'd noted that Bradford and Huddersfield looked like they definitely looked like different places they, yeah. didn't, they didn't look like different suburbs of the one mega city like, yeah. like, like you get in Sydney they looked like very distinct different towns slash cities so I think that probably has something to do with it and I think that's probably why a lot of Bradford fans are upset by the news obviously they have a long history at Otsal an amazing history and it's a very famous ground but 
I mean, I visited that ground right after we'd been to Headingley. Mm. And just to compare what the Rhinos are playing out of with what the Bulls yeah. are, were playing out of, it was really... Chalk and cheese stuff. It was just like, very different. Like, also, she's a grand old girl, but man, she needs updating yeah. pretty pretty quick. And when you've um, got money issues, yeah, and like. That? I saw on, um, somebody told me, and when I say somebody told me, I saw on Twitter. So whether this is true or not, I'm not sure. But apparently the Bulls were paying around £30,000 uh, per game mm. to play out of Odsall. And they'll be paying 3000 to play out of Dewsbury. So there you go. when you've gone into administration that many times, mm-hmm. money management becomes quite critical. And especially when you're trying to rebuild... Yeah. I think you know sometimes sometimes the money just yeah and makes look, a decision for you. And look, there's been so much written about this in the UK over the last couple of weeks, and people with plenty more knowledge of that part of the world than us. But it is going to be fascinating from our point of view to see how a ground share like that will work, and whether the team, the club, the fans will embrace it. Yeah, and not to forget the York City Knights ladies, who we heard last week won their first game of the season against Wakefield. Unfortunately, they couldn't back it up. They went down 42-0 to Wigan. And elsewhere in the Women's Super League, there was a great top-of-table clash between Leeds Rhinos and the Castle Tigers. This was a replay of the Challenge Cup final of a few weeks ago, which Leeds came out on top of. And this time, it was Castleford winning 36-26 to in what apparently was a very high-quality game. So congratulations, all involved. Elsewhere, Leeds Rhinos won the Wheelchair Challenge Cup final 74-46 nice. against the Argonaut Skeleton Army, which is a charity whoa, bringing... Whoa, 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 whoa. Run that name by me again. Uh, Argonauts Skeleton Army, and they're a charity bringing disabled and abled people together. The Argonaut Skeleton Army is the greatest team name <laughs> I've ever heard in my entire life, and I don't think I'll ever hear a better one again. That, I'm getting a tattoo. Well, there you go. <laughs> You've won a supporter, Argonauts, even though you lost the Challenge Cup. Yeah, all right. So talking about actual international stuff, being confirmed that the Philippines will face off against Italy in a warm-up for Italy prior to their World Cup qualifiers in Europe. Is that right? So this will be the very first time those two nations have played each other. So going to be played in Sydney. Oh, that's So I reckon we might be able to get around sometime in October, date and venue to be determined. Great. In other international news, it's been confirmed that the Indian Jungle Cats will play their second ever international test taking on El Salvador in Brisbane. Oh, fantastic. So this will be on the 9th of November. So if you're in town, get there. I'm, I'm sure I can find an excuse to get there. So this is India's second test, as I mentioned. First one, they beat Colombia 30-16. to 16, So they're at 100% success rate. Does mm. that make them the most successful international rugby league team of all time? Right. Yeah, <laughs> Still, it's, it's pretty exciting stuff. So, And I think, like, you know, you're dead in dream, but wouldn't it be amazing if India mm. had a full-time rugby league team? World Cup Rugby League Final 2072. <laughs> India v... Indonesia. Indonesia. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you dream, dream. All right, so still we'll stick with it on the, on the World Cup theme. So Greece and Scotland, they've got a World Cup qualifier coming up. Mm. And this has been all throughout the news, but there's uh, uncertainty over where this is going to be staged because there's internal wrangling around who controls rugby league in Greece. Yeah, it's been an ongoing story throughout the year, isn't it? So what's the latest here? Brad Walter, who's a respected NRL journo mm. in Australia, he wrote an, an article on this that I'm just going to basically steal from. The Greek Rugby League Association is not officially recognised by the government of Greece. Bizarrely, the government considers the Hellenic Federation of Modern Pentathlon to mm. be the body officially responsible for rugby league in Greece and has not sanctioned the World Cup qualifier. What makes this even more odd is that the international body for Modern Pentathlon mm. has said, 
we have nothing to do with rugby league. Yeah. We don't we don't govern any other sports other than modern pentathlon. Mm. This does not concern us. Mm. So somehow we've got into this situation. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, we've been following this hashtag Let Greece Play throughout the year. I don't know that much about it, except that you know, there's some some characters in the former Greek rugby league and now modern pentathlon side of things that are being quite difficult. Yeah. And so, you know, hopefully some sense will prevail and they can play that qualifier in Athens as the Greek players would love to do to showcase the great game of rugby league to the beautiful people of Greece. Exactly. Well, I've got one more thing. It's Malta versus Italy playing international on the 12th of October in Camden. And I wonder if Jared Samet will fly in like he did last year. Do you remember last year? Just after taking London to the Super League. That staunch online defence. That's right. He flew in from the UK and played for Malta in the Emerging Nations Rugby League World Cups. I wonder if he'll do it again. One can dream. Who knows? And elsewhere, Joe Eichner, American-born rugby league player. He, potentially, this is from Rugby League Planet, became the first American-born player to be selected to play Queensland Cup for the Northern Pride. So well done, Joe. Now, of course, there have been American-born players playing NRL, first grade. Who can forget Manfred Moore, New mm. Jets. Greg Smith for the Newcastle Knights. He oh, was a, I remember him. a running back. He played, I think, one game for the Newcastle Knights until Andrew John said, never again. <laughs> so that is another fantastic international update. So I say to you, Bigal, congratulations. You've done it again. You've done it again. So why don't we bring this home with a prog moment to shall we? All right. So I'd like to lighten things up a little and talk about the clowning antics of Steve Price and Justin Holbrook. Mm. via the big screen of the Warrington versus Wigan match over the weekend. So those that don't know, there was a close-up of Steve Price, and there's a close-up of Justin Holbrook, then it went back to Steve Price, <laughs> and then Steve Price, of course, he handed up and did a couple of, threw a couple of shadow punches yeah. right in Justin Holbrook's direction. And, you know, the whole crowd started laughing, including both coaches. Uh, and I reckon it's just a really, it's lovely to see coaches be lighthearted yes. during a game. Like you see, you do see lighter side of coaches in certain interviews and press conferences and stuff like that. But when it's game time, mm. it's all, it's it's iron faced. It's it's really, really serious. And I yep. thought it was, it was really refreshing to see them have a bit of fun, lighten up. And, you know, at the end of the day, It's just a game, right? At the end of the day. And of course, that is progressive rugby league pillar number three. Rugby league's a funny game. Mm. We say that because we do find rugby league pretty funny. But also, it's really important to have a lighthearted view on the game. Because, you know, when your team is having a few struggles, you've got to laugh. If you don't, you become one of those people who send nasty tweets to players and reps. Do you really want to be that person? No. You want to laugh it up. You want to ham it up. Yeah. And it's a good example that these coaches are displaying for us. So that's that's an entirely Super League thing to happen. I could never imagine that happening in the NRL. Oh, but, let's, but let's dream that it is going to happen, that yeah. it could happen. Mm. What two coaches do you reckon you oh, could yeah. see hamming it up in real time yeah. as a game is going on? Oh, definitely Craig Bellamy and Ricky Stewart. Next question. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, I can't actually think of any. Let's have a think. Maybe Nathan Brown? No, not really. He's kind of lost his sense of humour. Paul Green? Definitely not. He's too busy uh, whinging about referees. Des Hasler, maybe he's got yeah, that quirky side. Yeah, I actually side. I can see Des Hasler doing it. He's a bit of a quirky kind of guy. Mm. Who else you got? Paul McGregor? Nah. No, no, he's a bit down these days. Brad Arthur, no way. He's got, he wants to crack some heads. <laughs> Michael uh, Maguire? Michael Maguire, no. Nah, no chance. <laughs> Too intense. All right, well, Justin... Uh, Justin Holbrook's <laughs> coming to an NRL. There we go, Justin Holbrook when he gets next Justin year. Holbrook. <laughs> Fantastic. We'll put a circle around Manly versus the Titans. Yep. We'll see what we can conjure up. Now, my progressive moment of the week is the fact that we're going to have two standalone NRL W games this season. And of course, the NRLW kicks off in the first week of the men's finals 
and it's a, a very short season, only four teams, but they are going to have two standalone games, one in Auckland and one at Leichhardt Oval. So I reckon that's a great step because I think the women's game is going pretty well in Australia, but it's time to make a few more steps. Now, if you look at the AFLW, they have a standalone competition at the start of the year where, you know, people turn up in good numbers. They had 50,000 people at their grand final. People are hungry. In February, everybody's hungry for whatever football card they support, yeah. So I actually think it might be worth rescheduling the NRLW season to roughly that time of the year, but that's a different story. But it's really good to see the stepping stones put in place for a standalone NRLW competition. Only two games this year, but hopefully next year we've got a fully-fledged standalone competition because the quality is there. People will want to watch it. I think, especially at, at Leichhardt Oval, on what I'm going to assume is going to be a Saturday or a Sunday afternoon, mm. I think you'll get a pretty decent crowd. of. I, I, I mean, I'll definitely be there. Me too. And I um, think the, the Warriors game in Auckland will be pretty well yeah, attended too. Yeah. Okay, I think that's time to wrap up another show. Thank you, Big Al. It's been a pleasure. It definitely has. And I can't wait to do it all again next week. So, ladies and gentlemen, until we meet again, Rugby League, hold me, and see ya. (laughs) See you, folks. See Rugby League, we trust.